This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. You may know uh, that on this day in history, by the way, um, the first democratically elected president uh, was inaugurated, Nelson Kholitlatla. Uh, Mandela. That was the 10th of May, 1994. On the 8th of May, 1996, the Constitutional Assembly, democratically elected in 1994, adopted our national constitution on this day in 1996. It makes it the 25th anniversary of the adoption of the constitution. And who can forget that poetic moment by then Deputy President Tabumbegi when he delivered the I am an African speech, which has really just been part and parcel of our political repertoire since then. He has written an interesting reflection on this uh, 25th anniversary of the um, uh, Constitution. Unfortunately, uh, he he's not able to join us. Uh, the CEO of the Tabumbegi Foundation, Max Borgwana, is joining me on the line now just to tease out the importance of reflecting on this 25 years. Max, good morning. Welcome to Power Talk. Mukana, thank you very much to you and to your listeners. Thank you for making the time. Perhaps let's just start with the basic question, Max. Why is it important for us to, you know, breathe, take stock of the past 25 years of South Africa's constitution? Look, Honor, thanks, man. I, I think you're right. The, the issue is not only to celebrate the victory against apartheid, but to reflect how far have we gone on the pathway that we set for ourselves in 1996. Mm. Um, being honest and truthful about that and make sure that as we sit today, we need to understand what are the challenges um, that are facing our nation. But I think with regards to this matter of the Constitution, we believe that it is important that we promote advocacy about it in an in an effort to ensure that we deepen democracy, but importantly as well, to ensure that the population at large can understand that the constitution is as much a shield for them to protect themselves against the abuse of rights, but at the same time, a spear which they can use to advance and claim those rights. But lastly, I think, look on all of us, need to protect this constitution against the attacks which seeks to discredit it and to leave our country without a credible binding social contract. And I think it's on those bases that President Becky made this reflection last week. Absolutely. I I am going to get to the idea of, uh, you know, attacks on the constitution, but you'll appreciate, Max. I mean, we've got the uh, law reviews. We've got a lot of work that gets done anyway on the day-to-day just to check where we are. We saw the high-level panel uh, instituted by the National Assembly's uh, Speaker, Balekambete, at the time, chaired by then-President Khalema Mutlante, looking at some of the laws that had been adopted post-1994 to see how far we have come. Some some people have interrogated the constitution and said perhaps it was written with a type of leaders 
in mind, you know, a type of virtuous individuals who would assume the leadership role in governance. Some are asking, if this constitution is so good, why has it been unable to protect us from all this maladministration, malpractice, uh, corruption, and so on in the state? How would you reflect on that, Max? Look on that. I think it's important that we, we don't lower our standards. Mm. And, and I think we must take our, ourselves serious. So we, we shouldn't um, set up the standards to say that we shall forever behave as villains. But, but correctly, we have faced a situation of very bad and poisonous politics in our country mm. that are causing a number of doubts. But not all of that is arising out of the lack of protection from the Constitution. Um, the Constitution can't legislate on bad leadership. It's us that choose for ourselves the type of leadership that, that, that we have. But at the same time, you will note that the Constitution is not necessarily the laws of the Medes and the patients that's written on concrete stones. Yeah. Up until today, the Constitution has been amended 17th time. Mm. And you will know that on the table there is the 18th Amendment that relates to Section 25, and there's also possible the 19th Amendment that will relate um, to the electoral reform. So, so I, think, I think the Constitution as it is, it was important that we put it um, to reflect the highest standards of humanity and and i don't think we should lower it because we are facing bad politics in actual fact it's good that we can use the current political trajectory and measure it against the standards that we have set for ourselves 25 years ago and begin to say actually we have lowered the guard and in fact, we are performing quite poorly in terms of meeting the high calling of that constitution as a social contract for society. And I suppose this, Max, talks to the quality of public leadership that is available to the country. I know that at some point the foundations were thinking of, you know, uh, going uh, across the country, engaging society, particularly because you were worried as, as various foundations uh, that there is a void that is developing in our society. When you reflect... Uh, uh, are we anywhere closer to repairing this void that has found itself in our society? Look, I'm, I'm afraid not. And, and, and it's, that can be measured objectively. And, and you can measure it by the levels of deepening um, poverty and, and deepening levels of inequality, but also the regular reports that you get from the Auditor General. Um, in terms of how we are using public resources. Mm. And, and also, Lukona, one of the worrying things is that even in the political and economic space, just the types of discussions that, that are taking place have got very little to do with the interest of all of us as required by, by the Constitution. So, so there's a lot of work um, to be done. And, and I think... It's something that is not a responsibility of certain individuals. And I think all of us, we need to take collective responsibility for this. 
Absolutely. Now, let's go to something that you touched on earlier, which uh, former President Mpegi touches on, and he's also issued a newsletter previously on this matter. It seems this idea of synchronization of elections really, really uh, baffles his mind why people are even talking about it, and he's been trying to push back and see, saying that it would be a departure from the vision that the ANC had for governance, for the vision that it had for communities and how services should be delivered. Almost finding it that synchronizing the elections would be to take away from the very vision of that wall-to-wall local government that we now enjoy and what its mandate ought to be in society. I mean, Max, when you talk to the former president, why does this issue really disturb him so much? Look, you you will understand that that the promise of the liberation movement for the longest of time has been that the people shall govern. Yeah. And and that debate um, was quite intense in the development of the document ready to govern. And you needed to express it concretely. And the best way to express it concretely was at the level of local government. Well, our local government was not only the accountability there is not only measured in terms of elections, but it's also measured in terms of continuous participation. Mm. I mean, you will find it very hard anywhere else in the world where you find um, the communities involved in the integrated development plans of, of the municipalities. It is not to say that our municipalities are behaving uh, are not behaving very badly, but that's another. We need to find another solution for that. But I think the idea was really to ensure that our communities participate on these matters of reconstruction and development, on these matters that relate to the access of resources. So when you when you combine all of these things, it's going to be very easy that the issues of local government Mm. will be kind of moved to the periphery. I mean, the people there at Mzimkulu are confronted by daily matters that that relate to to water, that relate to cleanliness. But imagine if those things have to compete whether South Africa has got a, a, a bilateral relationship with Israel or not. And, and, and those people will be neglected in that mm. sense. And our view is that this synchronization is really has nothing to do with politics. It has nothing to do with um, deepening democracy. It's a simple a matter of administrative convenience and financial um, consideration. And that's not how you drive politics. I guess, Max, you're quite the diplomat here because the former president, not so diplomatic about it, calling it, it is in fact part of a counter-revolutionary offensive which aims first to overthrow the ANC as a governing party, install another power in its place which would proceed to manage our country as it wishes without the framework of rules provided by the Constitution. It seems as if there is also just a worry from the former president that uh, this is designed by a section of society who are interested in taking power away from the ANC. No, 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 correct, um, Lukona. I mean, really, Lukona, there are so many things that we are supposed to be attending to rather than these things. Mm. And you will, you will realize that those that are actually bent 
on undermining the democratic order that we have put together. They will come out with a number of pieces and pieces that they begin to attack. That sounds very, um, very nice in the in the ear. For instance, this issue that we're talking about, you yeah. come up with this synchronization, it looks it looks innocent, but in actual fact, it's attacking the very core of how this constitution was uh, was put together. But you will run through and find that in the similar attacks, there is an attack on this issue of the separation of powers. Yeah. And people are beginning to say, no, but we never elected the constitutional court. We, we elected parliament. So all of this power are suppo- is supposed to be in parliament. Mm. It's, it's really a deliberate obfuscation of issues because parliament has got its own powers that are very clear, and the courts have got their own powers that are very clear. You will understand that this country coming from a Westminster system of government, we have seen the worst when it comes to that system of government. And we did deliberately to make sure that we do not have parliamentary sovereignty, but we will have the constitutional and legal sovereignty that can protect all of us in equal terms. And, And it's very dangerous to allow people to start articulating things in a different way to that which we had put together. Absolutely. My guest is Max Bogwana, uh, CEO at the Tabumbegi Foundation, just reflecting 25 years since the adoption of the Constitution by the Constitutional Assembly. The line is 0861-987-000 if you want to be part of this conversation. Max, I mean, given the talks around the synchronization, I wondered if, as the as the foundation, you have started reflecting. We know that the Minister uh, of Home Affairs has put together a, a task team, if if you were to call it like that, a panel of sorts, uh, which is intended to uh, which is intended to look at the proposed uh, amendments to the Electoral Act as per the Constitutional Court judgment, and uh, you know uh, the former president's titling his 25th reflection as "Vox Populi, Vox Dei," uh, the voice of the people is the voice of God. What more can we do in the architecture of our electoral space to give more voice to people? You know, you know, you know. I was just looking at at the constitution as it stands. Yeah. You know, there's and 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 it, we might have to take a long day to deal with that. You know, absolutely. It's a it's a very loaded uh, issue. It is. There's actually about eleven provisions um, that that provide this level of accountability. And and I think what we have not done, or a disservice that we have we have done to this society, is not to have um, the sort of a progressive and deliberate advocacy about the constitution, so that people can understand um, these these levels of accountability that are there. But but let me say, the the Madlanga judgment on the New Nations case adds another provision. Um, where it gives an indication that even at provincial and national level, um, there will be a, a possibility of people to um, to stand as candidates, not necessarily being members of, of of the party. And I think that is still going to require a quite a detailed type of thinking. Mm. And w- we are exercising our mind in that respect, and you will re- 
you will recall that the chairperson of our foundation is um, is, is Dr. Bregalia Bam, absolutely, who has spent most of her time dealing with these matters of election. So that's why we take a particular interest around these issues of election. So, so but I think we mustn't say to ourselves, this is the first time that we're seeking accountability. Mm. You know, if I run through very quickly, look on it. Section 83 of yeah. the Constitution imposes very, very um, serious obligations on the president to ensure this matter of accountability. And, and that is followed by Section 181 of the Constitution that imposes similar obligations um, to, the nas- to the National Assembly. Mm. And you were talking earlier on about the oversight committees, but also the role of the smaller parties um, in, 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 in Parliament. At the same time, there's the issue of periodical elections, which is a, a methodology of accountability as well. But one of the things that has been missing out when it comes to this issue of direct democracy is the rights that have been given to the citizens by Section 17 of the Constitution, which is the right to assemble, the right to demonstration, the right to picketing, the right to petition, and even the right to take some of these matters to court. So we are not short of any right as to as far as holding our public representatives to account. But I think we need to articulate this more and make sure that the population is able to exercise those. So this new nation case is adding on this on this right that we can have in order to make sure that our public representatives are held accountable. Absolutely, and I suppose, you know, as the custodians of the legacy of former President Tabumbegi, another issue that would make you take serious interest on this is the fact that the Fanzel Slabet report came under a time when he was still quite much um, in the presidency, and there's always been a question as to why was there no follow-up in insofar as the outcomes of that uh, report, which uh, proposed, uh, you know, 300 seats becoming uh, constituency-based and uh, 100 seats uh, becoming a proportional representation. Do you have any insight as to uh, whether or not there wasn't appetite or political will to follow through on those proposals from the Fanzail Slabet report? So, so you're right, Lukona. Um, um, you'll remember that uh, that Fanzail report actually came with two reports. Um, so there was the electoral task team, yes. which came with the recommendations that you are talking about. There was the minority view at at, at, at that time. But let me say this. You, you, will, you will remember that during that time, there was a research. So you as a researcher, which was done by Professor Roger Southall and Robert mm. Matiz, um, which actually looked at the sort of, satisfaction of the population in terms of the electoral system. And you remember the results there were that 74% of the voters were happy with the way government is being elected. And then 81% were very happy that many voices were included in parliament. And therefore, the question was, why amend something that is not broken? But secondly, at that point in time, you will recall that there was this lingering fear that if we start with that type of a constituency-based system, we might entrench the racial 
um, geographical stratification of, of, of the society, which becomes the antithesis of what we were trying to do in terms of building a non-racial society. You will also realize that part of the discussions that were taking place was that due to these extreme levels of poverty, they exist, which I think still exists today, that more people will actually be sponsored um, candidates rather than candidates that are um, that are expressing the will of the people. And from the ANC's point of view, at that stage, um, the organization itself was regarded as a center of accountability. I don't know to what extent that, that pertains today, mm. but also in view of the high levels of um, democracy and electoral illiteracy within our communities, um, it, was still, it was still felt that um, it, it, to impose a complex system um, might undermine the proper expression of the will of the people. So there were um, rational debates around those matters. But, but I'm saying... Do you think the needle saying, might have moved by now where we are today is, with the benefit of what that. has happened in government, people's disappointment in the political landscape and just this each uh, for people not to be associated with political parties but wanting to play a role in the political landscape? That's exactly the point. That's why I was articulating what I'm talking about. It's 2003. Yeah, yeah. So, so you need to say 2003 and today, what is our attitude towards political parties? You know? And what is our attitude towards um, the current politics? And, and I think that's why then the Madlanga judgment becomes a very necessary judgment to mm. resuscitate this discussion so that we can look at it through today's prison. Now, Max, before I let you go, let's quickly talk about what is it that should happen to people who um, don't interrogate the Constitution from a merit point of view, wanting to you know, delve into the constraints that may be visited upon society by certain provisions of the Constitution. I mean, there are people who talk about, uh, for example, uh, a clause, I think it's 210 on procurement, and how it is you know, frustrating preferential procurement, which is a part of a transformation agenda that government can utilize the fiscus and, and so on uh, to transform society. But those, you say, are attacking the Constitution, those who find it inadequate, what should happen to people like that? No, no, no. I'm, as, as, as I'm saying, look on a day, there's nothing wrong with making a critical analysis of the Constitution and actual, in actual fact, um, to make a case for its amendment. For instance, the something that you are talking about today, mm. one of the things for me that doesn't make sense is um, why do you have, when it comes to this procurement issue, where, say, black people must um, be happy with the minority stake in the economy? Mm. And then we need, we need to reflect on that. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that we, we have a responsibility to discredit the entire social contract mm. um, because it was built... Um, Upon, upon all of these provisions that we are talking about. So we need to be able to say, no, no, but this provision is no longer serving 
and the interest of our country, yeah. how do we change it in a manner that's rational and in a manner that is not disruptive? Absolutely. Now, I hear you very well. Uh, Max, uh, I'd be amiss if I don't uh, try swing this one on you. Steli uh, Patron, Apago Power Talk. Uh, well, in fact, uh, it's 10 years since South Sudan and it's 25 years of the constitution. Those are two important things that I would love to reflect with him on. Okay, let's take that offline. Um, Lukona, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Max Bogwana, CEO at the Tabumbegi Foundation, reflecting 25 years since the making of the constitution in the Constitutional Assembly. I am an African. I owe my being to the hills and the valleys, the mountains and the glades, the rivers, the deserts, the trees, the flowers, the seas, and the ever-changing seasons that define the face of our native land. My body has frozen in our frosts and in our latter-day snows. It has thawed in the warmth of our sunshine and melted in the heat of the midday sun. The crack and the rumble of the summer thunders, lashed by startling lightning, have been a cause both of trembling and of hope. The fragrances of nature have been as pleasant to us as the sight of the wild blooms of the citizens of the felt. The dramatic shapes of the dragon's back, the soil-colored waters of the Likwa, Ikreli, Lotugel, and the sands of the Kharahad, have all been panels of the set on the natural stage on which we act out the foolish deeds of the theater of the day. At times, and in fear, I have wondered whether I should concede equal citizenship of our country to the leopard and the lion, the elephant and the springbok, the hyena, the black mamba, and the pestilential mosquito. A human presence among all of these a feature on the face of our native land just defined, I know that none dare challenge me when I say I am an African. None dare challenge us. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.